in a team charter. You're going to have different areas, different values, different norms, different strategies to mitigate conflict, different steps to take in order to approach different situations and what to expect in this project. So everyone has a clear idea of what's going on. And that goes a long way. If someone does something that they weren't supposed to and conflict arises, you could always point at the team charter instead of blaming a person directly, which often leads to more relational conflict. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Hey everyone, it's Gordon here, your host for this episode, along with my co-host LaShawn, and welcome to our project management mini-series. In this episode, we'll be talking to you about stakeholder engagement from a project management perspective. LaShawn, what's up? Hey Gordon, what's up? We're going to be talking about stakeholder engagement because it's sort of something that gets thrown around very often, but we don't often talk about what is the science and art behind stakeholder engagement. What are those methodologies and best practices that allow us to complete projects in a way that allows us to realize the benefits from the project and accomplish the ultimate goals of the project? So in terms of project management, there is a knowledge area, one of those 10 knowledge areas called project stakeholder engagement. And within that knowledge area, there are a core set of processes that involve stakeholder engagement. So LaShawn, can you just give us a quick overview of what those are? And to kind of lead that off, it's it's super important to just understand why we're even talking about stakeholders in the context of project management, in the context of public health, in the context of global health. Well, we're often doing projects and creating projects and managing projects. And in these projects, we often have stakeholders who are impacted by or can impact a project in a positive or negative way. It's important to understand how they're going to interact in this dynamic environment we call the project. So when we talk about the four possible areas when doing project stakeholder management, the first area is called identify stakeholders. Then we're going to talk about planning stakeholder engagement. Then we have managing stakeholder engagement. And then ultimately controlling stakeholder engagement. That sounds like a right. lot of work. Can we not just like send them emails and stuff and call it a day? You could. You could just send them an email and say, hey, do this, do that. But you might fail. And that might be the reason why your project fails. So by taking note and considering these four different process areas that occur within this area of project management, we're able to better understand and take a deep dive into how to truly understand the stakeholders you're going to engage with. All right, so let's dive into identifying stakeholders. What does that mean and what does that look like from a project management perspective? Yeah, I'd love to know. Yeah, You're the one that says I can't just send an email, so you tell me what I got to do. 
Okay. So identifying stakeholders. Mm. So it's really this dynamic process of identifying the different stakeholders regularly and analyzing and noting down different important pieces of information that could be related to their interests, their involvement in the project, any sort of interdependencies, their influence on the project, talking about different power levels. And we're not talking about Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> their level of power and their influence on a project and their potential impact on the success of their project. Those are key areas we have to know. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said there, stakeholders or I guess identifying them goes beyond the obvious, like, you know, your boss and the obvious players in the space. But you also said maybe it's the stakeholders are also people who don't necessarily have a, the power to influence the direction of a project, but who will be impacted by the project being implemented and the project realizing its goals. So one good example of this is if you're talking about implementing a safe injection site or consumption mm -hmm. and treatment service mm -hmm. site, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you live, some of those stakeholders include the people that live in the neighborhood for mm -hmm. which the site is going to be implemented. And even though they have a, I guess a negative interest or a disinterest, which is still a level of interest in having that in their neighborhood, they have to be engaged so that you can implement your project successfully. So that's one of the ways this shakes up in practice. So identifying them, how do you go about identifying stakeholders? Is there certain things that you do, that you look at? Is there historical information that you look at depending on what organization you're working at? What's the best way to start finding those people? So I'll, I'll toss in one point here. I think an easy place to start is to check out different projects that your organization has done in the past and learn from, you know, is it a similar type of projects? What are the different tailoring that's been done to make this project unique, if unique? And see what types of people you engaged, you know, re-engage them to see if they are relevant to this project as well. So that's to identify them using previous organizational knowledge is an easy and quick way. And more specifically, if you think about, you have meetings, you have an agenda, and then after a meeting, ideally, you would be, you took the minutes during a meeting and you recorded attendance of who was there. So one good thing to do as well is go back and look at maybe similar projects and groups that were leading those projects and see who was involved by looking at the minutes, maybe email threads if you can get access to those and you know, reach out and start having those conversations. That's a good place to start. Yeah, and a different thing you could do is just do like informal interviews with key stakeholders that you already have identified. So it could cascade into learning about who else you have to engage in a given project to make sure that they're involved at a, at a level that's appropriate. And that interviewing doesn't always have to be the stakeholder or external stakeholder. It could be interviewing the person who was doing a previous project and just they'll mm -hmm. give you a list of who they worked with and why, uh, how they contributed to previous projects. So that's a very good way to start as well. So we do all this. We look at maybe some other business documents, you know, research papers, if you will, white papers, other project documents. We do some Google searching to see if there are any service providers or any other players in the space that the project can be associated with. And what do we get after doing all this? Is there a certain 
thing that we're looking to compile to help drive our project at the end of all this? So at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we identify all the people that we need, right? And so that's why we're going through all these steps of reviewing all these documents, using our expert judgment, gathering different sources of data by doing these interviews I talked about, focus groups, questionnaires, surveys, or doing brainstorm sessions to identify that. And now once you identify the stakeholders, that's where the real fun begins. Mm. So is, but is there a specific, is, is there a document that you should be taking notes on, like a stakeholder register? Is there specific sections on there that you would have in a template? What are some of those information that we collect? So we collect the person, maybe their organizational affiliation. Is there any other useful information to gather while we're in that phase of identifying stakeholders? Again, some of their interests in the project. What kind of stuff do they have to gain or to lose mm. in that given project? Uh, again, and a lot of that will come through the understanding and doing a stakeholder analysis to get some of that detailed information. But yes, you should create this stakeholder list or registry, key stakeholders, and and it'll basically inform you about the stuff relevant to conduct your project. All right. Can we just send emails now? Are we good? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. So we haven't even started. Well, I guess we've started. The next thing in this knowledge area is plan stakeholder engagement. And it, in this process, we use those same tools and techniques that we did when we were identifying the stakeholders. But the goal of this, and LaShawn alluded to it earlier, is we want to develop an engagement plan. So the reality is that some stakeholders that are identified have high power, low power, and to varying degrees, levels of interest. So we want to be able to map these because this will inform our approach to be able to engage these groups or individual people. Absolutely. And again, engaging those relevant people because by doing this planning step, planning stakeholder engagement, you're able to create an actionable plan that you're able to interact more effectively with the given stakeholders. Mm. So what are some of those elements of the stakeholder engagement plan? So one of the things that we often use to help us dig deeper and get more information would be creating something called a stakeholder engagement matrix. Oh, fancy. What's that? And this is this is a simple yet powerful technique that's used in project management that basically allows you to understand and monitor stakeholders' levels of engagement throughout a project, right? So what that basically means is, what it'll look like at least is, you'll have some sort of table, and in that table, you'll have different levels of engagement, okay? And those different levels of engagement could be unaware, resistant, neutral, supportive, and leading. And so beside each of the stakeholders that you have in the that's relevant to your project, you want to basically understand their current level of engagement. And this could be done at the very beginning of the project just so you understand where they're at. So maybe Alyssa, who's part of the project team or a stakeholder in the project, She's actually resistant. So you would put a C, which means that's their current level of engagement. They're resistant. And then you want to also note down what level of engagement you would like them to be at. 
in order for this project to be successful. So maybe you want her to be in a more supportive level of engagement. So that's kind of your desired level. So you would indicate that with the letter D. And then you could start thinking about the current level of engagement for this person is here, and we want them to get to the supportive level. What kind of actionable plans and strategies can we now implement to make sure we can get them more engaged with the project? All right. But there's more, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. So there are certain stakeholders that, you know, in the course of a project, you want everybody to be supportive and you want everybody to be happy. The reality is that is very unlikely. The project is not going to be favorable by some people. The question then becomes, do you spend all your time and resources to get everyone from maybe disengaged with the project all the way to being supportive and leading? That is not a realistic expectation. So part of this whole exercise involves you deciding what stakeholders to put most of your effort into. So for example, if you're working with a project and maybe the the provincial government or something is a key stakeholder, maybe the premier is going to be on your list in terms of who you get from resistant to supportive versus Gordon, who just uh, someone on Twitter that, complains about what you're doing, who has maybe no influence on whether the project will be successful or not. So the way you go about mapping this is in a sort of a two by two table in something that's called a power and influence grid. You have four squares, uh, one of your square, and it's along X and Y. So Y axis, you have power. And on the X axis, you have interest. Yes. Okay. Or influence. Or, yeah, yeah I, I'll go with interest. Yeah. So if you're dealing with someone who falls in that quadrant of being having a high p- level of power over the project and high level of interest, those have to be closely managed because they, at any moment, if it, there's a change of decision, could drastically impact the course of your project. If you have someone, for example, low power, low interest, Those are who you would just simply provide updates Mm -hmm. and watch that space. Maybe you have someone who's interested with low power. Maybe you give them a little bit more updates than you would, of course, the people that are not interested. And if you have someone with high power and, and low interest, there's a different dynamic there as well. And your strategy, based on what LaShawn mentioned in the stakeholder engagement matrix, gets essentially superimposed on the power influence grid to ultimately drive what your plan is for stakeholder engagement. And essentially what all this is coming down to is we're trying to understand our stakeholders more deeply and being able to prioritize them so we can see who requires the most energy or efforts to make this project successful, right? As Gordon's saying, you don't want to spend hours, days, months talking to someone who may not have a lot of interest or influence in a project and they don't have power or kind of say over what proceeds and what stops. So there's no, it's just a prioritization exercise. Prioritization, I like that. At the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. So once you you map that all out, you have to, on a regular basis, be managing stakeholder engagement. And some of those tools that you use, some of those techniques that you're going to be using is 
expert judgment. So if this is something you've done before, you have a certain level of intuition, certain level of expertise, a certain level of knowledge that you're going to be able to use to help you manage the level of engagement that you have for those stakeholders. What are some other important skills in the managed stakeholder engagement process, LaShawn? Yeah, I think overall, when we're talking about managing stakeholder engagement, it's a process where you're actively executing the process, the actual process of communicating and working with these stakeholders to ultimately meet their needs, their expectations, expectations. addressing different yeah, expectations, different issues that may arise, and help foster that appropriate stakeholder involvement that we're trying to do. And ultimately, by doing that, the key benefit of doing this is it allows you, the person who's leading or supporting the project, to increase support and minimize resistance from the stakeholder. Because that's the key goal, right? You want to make this as simple and as smooth sailing as possible. And by doing this work ahead of time and understanding where your stakeholders are coming from, you get a better understanding of how to navigate these situations. Mm. Mm. And given that you're bringing a group of people together, a group of organizations or whatever have whatever it be, you have different ideologies, different opinions, different ways of doing things, and conflict is inevitable. As a result, from a preventative lens, you have to think about what are the rules for engagement? What are those ground rules? So what types of governance structures you can implement so that those situations are minimized, like the likelihood of it occurring, and that you have a blueprint for how to handle those situations in the event that it arises. So two key things that I use in my practice are the team charter, as well as uh, terms of reference. Uh, LaShawn, you want to talk about your team charter? I know you've done a lot of work on team charters. Yeah, team charters are a nice way to just lay out all the expectations that are going to happen up front within your group, right? Because it's so easy to just, it's easy to not do one of these and just say, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everyone's going to get along. It's going to be fine. But then when conflict, which is bound to happen, happens, you start pointing fingers and blaming other people, which is not really conducive in environments that want to have successful projects. So in a team charter, you're going to have different areas, different values, different norms, different strategies to mitigate conflict, different steps to take in order to approach different situations and what to expect in this project. So everyone has a clear idea of what's going on. And that goes a long way. If someone does something that they weren't supposed to and conflict arises, you could always point at the team charter instead of blaming a person directly, which often leads to more relational conflict. Okay, okay. That's a good one. And yeah, like LaShawn said, we know there's several reasons for conflict. It could be cultural reasons, you know, lack of political awareness, you know, not having, being able to read the room, your observational skills. So those soft skills are very important when we talk about managing stakeholders' expectations. One of the things in global health and public health that is super important to have is well, obviously the conflict management situation and being able to resolve conflicts. But as Gordon also mentioned, cultural awareness. Why is cultural awareness important when you're managing stakeholders, Gordon? <laughs> so essentially... 
we often talk about silos. So silos doesn't only apply to if you are working in a certain discipline in public health or what have you. You can also have a silo of of religion, culture, ideologies as well. And it is important that the context in which we manage and initiate and plan and implement projects is culturally aware so that people don't feel excluded and so that the projects are meeting the needs of the broader community and the benefits are able to be realized equitably by those who it is meant to serve. So that's one of the reasons for cultural awareness. Thanks for putting me on the spot, LaShawn. Of course, of course. And one of the things that is crucial, and you know, when, we, when I go back and talk about how my education in public health, my formal training in public health, didn't really teach me about the how to do things, like in a project sense. Negotiation is a tactic that's really important when you're managing and talking to stakeholders. So how are you able to talk to and negotiate and achieve support or agreement to ultimately get that favor or support on the work you're doing for your project or its outcomes or your ability to resolve conflicts within the team or with other stakeholders? How do you negotiate and have those conversations in those environments? So it sounds like it requires a degree of tact and diplomacy. So you can't just steamroll and impose your decisions and beliefs on everyone. There's a negotiation of a bit of a give or take persuasive arguments getting people to see different perspectives is that kind of the the value exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and it and what really helps is what you talked about gordon is that power interest grid that would help you kind of navigate some of these situations where there are bound to be power imbalances so let's talk about monitoring those stakeholders so we've done all this and we're managing them and we go home it's been a long day We think our work's done, but it sounds like this is a process or a cycle that we have to repeat throughout the whole project, and it sounds very exhausting. So what does monitoring stakeholder engagement look like? So we're talking about monitoring stakeholders, and you're wondering, what does that actually mean? So monitor stakeholder engagement is about monitoring stakeholder relationships and tailoring strategies for engaging stakeholders through the the adaptive and flexible modification of engagement strategies and plans. So maybe you had a strategy in mind when dealing with a certain stakeholder. And what usually happens is sometimes it doesn't work. You fall short and things don't go out as planned. So what do you want to do? You want to take note of that. And that's what monitoring and controlling, that's what happens, right? You want to take note of that and then adapt that plan through modification and find a better way to control that situation, right? So that's what that's about. In terms of tools and techniques to do this, one of the ways that ties into it, you mentioned sort of tailoring if something doesn't work, you know, maybe trying a different approach. At the core of that, you have things like root cause analysis. So root cause analysis. In a root cause analysis, specifically as we relate it to stakeholder engagement, is... Understand, understanding why a specific stakeholder engagement strategy is not having the desired effect, or maybe even understanding why someone is not engaged in the first place. So there's a bit of a twofold approach there. And then this can then drive your next strategy. Once you find out what those reasons are, you can then tailor maybe me telling someone about the 
economic benefits of this project is not something that's important to them. So maybe they want they're more concerned about the human cost. And then I can tailor my whole benefits of the project around framing it in that way so that they can see the value of it. So that's one of the reasons that's important. Yeah. And one of the things that we need to mention is when we're doing a root cause analysis, we're trying to understand why stakeholder engagement is not going as well as it should be, right? And one of the things that go hand in hand with stakeholder engagement is being able to understand the different communication strategies and communication plans that are in place. If you're sending an email out to someone that doesn't like emails or look at emails, that's not going to work out. So you want to make sure when you're going through the stakeholder engagement strategy, you're identifying your stakeholders and you're getting more information on them, you're collecting information on how to best meet them where they're at, whether it's in-person meetings, emails, a call on my cell phone, or text. It all depends on what they like and you want to try to cater that to make sure that things go seamlessly. One core skill in all this, and we can simply just put it down to leadership. So your ability to communicate with the group, your ability to provide the necessary updates, your ability to lead and manage those meetings, make sure that there's a safe environment for engagement and participation, your ability to communicate your broader vision and sell the stakeholders on what that vision is, and your ability to see it all the way through to the end so that the project can deliver positive outcomes for those who are involved in it and the other stakeholders who are on the peripherals of the project who stand to also benefit from it. So that's really what it comes down to as we go throughout these four processes in the project stakeholder management knowledge area. This is really what it comes down to. Any parting words? My parting words would be stakeholder engagement is complex. And we know it goes hand in hand with communication management. So the different communication channels that you use to engage with different stakeholders. It's in your best interest to understand stakeholder engagement strategies and ways to gain more information on how you could better understand a stakeholder in any context. If you're implementing a project, program, you know, you're meeting different people who you need to gain favor from in order to successfully execute a project. These are things that you should look into to give you the upper hand to make that a successful project. Absolutely. I'll just end with, at its core, like I said, stakeholder engagement or stakeholder management is leadership and problem solving. So this essentially, we hope, provided you with a blueprint for how to do your next project and how to be able to engage stakeholders better, maybe be able to develop strategies to get some of those resistant stakeholders over to being more supportive or some of those neutral ones as well that you might need to be more supportive of your project for it to be successful. And with that, we'll end it. This was Gordon and LaShawn, your favorite public health and project management professionals teaching you about stakeholder engagement, signing off. Take it easy. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.